You're listening to Rock's Heart Radio, hosted by Roxana Moran. I'm Caitlin Cox, the producer of Rock's Heart Radio and news editor for TCTMD. To round out the year, I've selected some of my favorite conversations from 2022. They ran the gamut from insightful takes on what's ahead for medicine to the cardiovascular implications of front page news. Back in January, Dr. Moran sat down with biodesign and medtech guru, Paul Yock. Their conversation touched on the many practicalities behind innovation. But towards the end, she asked him to look into his crystal ball. Tell us a little bit about what you think the future is. Is there still room for the excitement that you brought forth uh, with the early iteration of devices, let's say, and uh, technologies, or are we all going to become robots and kind of programmed, <laughs> programmed in some database? Yeah. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about your, uh, your future. Well, a couple thoughts. Uh, first of all, uh, there will always be the opportunity to invent technologies uh, that are better than the existing technologies. You know, there was a phase you went through this where, where we were thinking that interventional cardiology, we, we've kind of done it, you know, we figured out coronaries and, and then valves came along, right? And there, there will always be another thing that we haven't thought of. Uh, so, so even that by itself is enough to sustain, you know, careers of innovators. But you were hitting at a couple of other really interesting things, uh, which is, first of all, health technology innovation is moving outside of the hospital, right? There there is a lot of really interesting work going on in maximizing health in early diagnosis and early stages of treatment before you even have to get to the hospital. And uh, we mentioned health economics. This is really important because if you look at the curve of cost of a healthcare episode, uh, that curve spirals crazy when you go in the hospital. You, you know, if you can keep people out of the hospital, that's the economical thing to do. So that is the place to be looking. If you're an innovator now, th- that pre-hospital experience, whether it's Walgreens or, or, you know, at home, is the place, a great place to look for, for innovation. Then you mentioned digital uh, apps and so on. I'm, I'm optimistic for a really uh, specific uh, reason with those technologies. And that is we have never had a decent lever to pull in terms of patient behavior. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this is finally uh, in in the right areas, a place where you can really influence how people behave. Uh, And and that's why all that money is flowing into that sector is, is everybody senses this and and there is also still huge opportunity there you know that the big tech companies are not getting this right <laughs> at this point i mean there there is still huge room uh for for us you know as innovators to come in and and figure out what the needs really are and to bring those technologies forward so inspiring because i think what you just said really resonated with me influencing behaviors i certainly can tell i could tell you that they, the tech companies have figured out how to influence teenage behaviors, that's for sure, <laughs> how to influence buying power or uh, advertisements and excitement about whatever the product is out there. But influencing patient behavior and how it could impact medicine 
is like a whole nother, I think, stratosphere that we absolutely have to invade and, and, and get into. For our April installment, Rock's Heart Radio celebrated Tavi's 20th birthday with guests Elaine Cribier, Martin Leon, and Michael Mack. Dr. Cribier recalled the challenges and rewards of that first case. I, I want you to take us back to that day, that April day of 2002. We have the images of you and Elaine. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the three of you with your eyes soaring yeah. and, and at the time of deployment, take us through those emotions. I want the audience to feel it. Well, actually it was, uh, it was unbelievable, you know, because uh, uh, it had never been done. We were doing this using the transeptal approach, which was not at all on the program. Uh, we, we were supposed to implant the valve to break the femoral artery. So we had also to cross the septum, you know, each step. Uh, it, Getting out of the sheath with the valve print over the balloon, you know, we didn't have any delivery system, it was just a valve print over the balloon. So this was a little difficult, first of all. Then we had to move to the septum, and crossing the septum was also a challenge because we had some resistance, we didn't have the, again delivery system, so the, the valve was taking some room. I had dilated the septum with a 10 millimeter balloon, which was a small size, you know, in comparison to the to the diameter of the print valve, and so we could do it. We, we we went through and then we went to the uh, the apex of the left ventricle and then we knew that there was a floating thrombus here you know so it was uh, very very stressing you know we we were paying attention to the to the clinical status of the patient you know we, we were extremely nervous but we went around that and uh, we reached the valve and then after that you know the heart was beating and we had to block the valve at the right position which had never been done i didn't know exactly where to place the valve this is why you can see our eyes you know uh, open and very stressed because uh, we didn't know exactly where to place it and uh, finally, I decided to place it right in the middle of the calcium. You know, that's all. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, uh, we, we managed to, to do that. And the, the most uh, extraordinary thing that I will never forget is the uh, improvement of the patient where the valve was uh, expanded because we could observe you know, his face turning from gray to, to pink. You know, the, the patient was smiling. He had absolutely no pain. There was absolutely no problem. We removed the, 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 the gas there. The valve was in place. On echo, you know, we could see for the first time the leaflets opening and closing. You know, it was absolutely unbelievable. So a lot of emotion. And I will tell you a secret. After that, I went to my car and I cried. <laughs> oh, I bet you did. I would, have, I would have too. <laughs> this is the first time that I said that. Then the following month, in May, Dr. Moran discussed technology's role in medicine with Amibot and Mentu Tarakia. How can the field achieve a balance between the information onslaught and quality of care? Our guests offered their predictions for what the next five years will bring. So Mentu, you get to uh, go first. Five years from now, what you would like to see in digital health. So I, I, well, there's what I'd like to see and what I think will happen. They may not be the same, but I'll, yeah, well, I'll give us both. I'll, give us both. <laughs> I'll give you where I think we're going. And I think I'm very optimistic about it. So one, we're going to start seeing um, more telehealth for simple, discrete things. And we, all of us are going to be getting their telehealth that way. An easy example is when you go overseas and you want COVID testing to get the CDC approved letter to return, 
you actually can book a telehealth visit where somebody watches you do it. It's a lot easier than walking around trying to figure out where to get tested and waiting for the result. So we will see device manufactured telehealth combinations in other areas that start getting progressively more complex. I, I think we'll have a, a better framework for evidence generation that isn't patient level RCTs. A lot of us are working in these areas. And I think we're gonna start seeing AI in kind of messy or fuzzy areas, um, mining through health record data, NLP, and sort of clinician enablement to really get to evidence-based decision-making more quickly. I think those three things would be important steps. And do you think reimbursement will be aligned with this for physicians? I, I, I don't know. I Again, I don't think um, AI is going to lower the cost of complicated care. Where it's more interesting is where it can do pattern recognition quickly, such as radiology or ECGs perhaps there, but I think it's too early to know. Thank you, Mintu. Ami? Um, I think there's three different concepts uh, that I would talk about. So the first is I think population health-wise, a lot of basic cardiovascular risk factor management does not lie with the cardiologist and perhaps in the future it won't. I think that's where we can think about pattern recognition, about intelligence or, or analytics and algorithms, helping manage things like hypertension, which is an epidemic in our country, really outside of the hospital period. So I think that's going to happen. I think the second is we're really going to start using community health partners. We can't get to a majority of the country, and this is a problem globally because we're not in those communities. So I think what we are going to see is the use of digital health, not necessarily in the hands of a person at home, but in the communities where certain at-risk populations live that don't have access. And we're going to see building those kind of digital health um, access points in whichever form that is. And that's where a lot of healthcare is going to start to happen with the more complicated care than being referred in to what we call our tertiary centers or, or the, the um, more complex disease management areas. And then the third thing I think we're going to see is we're going to see an AI enabled workforce everywhere. Um, so, you know, I'm turning into somebody who's, you know, ranked as older when you say, which age group do you fall into? Um, and I look at my, my daughter's generation and you see that they are very tech enabled, very digitally enabled. And that's true across socioeconomic spectra. That's true across races and ethnicities. And it's true across the globe. So I think when we have an AI enabled or an intelligence enabled workforce, that's going to look very different. And then they're going to really be able to do what we refer to at the ACC as collaborative intelligence. Decide what data goes in and then look at the analytics output and say, I agree. Great. I don't agree, I'm going to go back and fix it. Not this is a fail, which is what we say nowadays. Or, gee, look, it gave me some interesting new insights. This is called discovery. And I think that's where we're going to be, um, I hope, five to 10 years from now. July's episode took on a heavier topic, the overturn of Roe v. Wade and the loss of federal abortion protections in the United States. Together, Mary Noreen Walsh, Sadia Khan, and Catherine Lindley spoke about how the Supreme Court's decision will impact not just women's cardiovascular health, but also their overall health. Dr. Lenley, an expert in cardioobstetrics, described how the medical field can help. Dr. Lenley, what do you think we as a group, you know, uh, cardio obstetricians or 
cardiologists should be doing together? Do you think that the clinics like cardiobstetrics clinics will, are going to just explode into like really, really assessing cardiovascular risk and dealing with human health? What do you think we should be doing in this way? You know, my, my feeling really for all of medicine and particularly for, for cardiobstetrics is that, um, you know, it's really time for us to transform the way that we're delivering care to patients and to sort of step out of the siloed care that we've been providing patients for the past many decades and really transform our care into truly integrated multidisciplinary care platforms. And we've begun to see this in some other areas of care, such as, you know, valve teams and heart transplant teams, et cetera. Um, and we need to see this more universally in, um, in cardioobstetrics care as well. Um, I think for a long time, uh, cardiologists have not viewed uh, reproductive care as a part of their uh, of their umbrella of, of care, but it's just not true because cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of maternal death, a major cause of maternal mortality, and appropriately counseling patients on their pregnancy risk, on contraception safety, and helping provide team-based care through pregnancy and postpartum is really essential. So um, what I hope to see through the work group's efforts and through other, other groups' efforts is that we can increase the sort of army of cardio-obstetrics experts that are available throughout the country so that there can be sort of um, nodes of expertise that are available throughout the country, and then really to develop a virtual and physical referral network to those expert centers. And then additionally, it's gonna be really essential that all cardiovascular um, clinicians develop a greater baseline knowledge of cardioobstetrics so that every single cardiovascular clinician develops baseline competency in discussing contraception and pregnancy risk through CMEs and you know, society meetings and, and COCATS training. Um, such that, you know, just like we, everyone knows how to manage basic ACS, everyone should know how to do basic reproductive counseling, and that should be an expected part of our job. I love that. And for our final highlight, there's a special episode recorded in Boston on site at TCT 2022. Dr. Moran met with Rasha Alami, Srila Banerjee, Alayed Shiafo and Dipti Ichapuria to talk about how women are becoming increasingly prominent in cardiology. But how much progress has been made? And will the positive changes stick around? Each of the five trailblazers shared their vision. What are you looking for in the future? What, what would the future look like, Dipti, for you? Would we have like 10, 10 female presidents at ACC, one after the other after the other? Or do we not even think about them as women? Yeah, I, I think we just think about who the as as was already stated, find the next talent, and then it doesn't matter. You know, somebody said when I was being nominated, oh, they'll never, it's not a good time for you to be nominated because then you're following Athena Pappas. And so I said, so they said, we can't have two women in a row. I said, well, we had seven years of man after man, but we can't have two women in a row. I don't think we should be having those conversations. I think it doesn't matter. It's whoever is talented up. So it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. It's the next talented individual that will rise to that leadership position. That's what I'd like to see. So that's the future you're looking for. Yeah. And Do I you think it's here, that future. I think it's closer than we've ever believed it to be. All right, and I well, think that is so positive. 
What about you, Shrilla? How do you see this future? Pretty much the same, really. Uh, a true meritocracy, mm-hmm. where you're here because you're good and you're able, not because of your colour, creed, or gender. Really, it just has to be on, on, on how much you can give to the uh, the society and the population. Does the world know how amazing this woman is? Uh-huh. The way she speaks, <laughs> yeah. I think increasingly. How poised she is! Oh my lord, yeah. <laughs> incredible, Russia. Yeah, so I think, I mean, obviously I echo everything everyone else has said. I'd also like to see the women that are coming through feel different. So, you know, we need to get better at tackling our imposter syndrome and our, you know, the the juggling of work-life balance and all of that. And I think actually we are all getting a bit better at this. And I think the the seniors amongst us are helping the junior uh, women coming through. Um, But I would like to hear less of what I still hear from medical <laughs> students, which is, oh no, interventional cardiology is not for women. And you still hear that. Um, and I probably hear that at least once every couple of weeks from a medical student. And I have to take them aside and have a moment. I'd like to stop hearing that. Oh, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good moment to think about because I do believe that many women will not consider interventional cardiology still, despite mm-hmm. all of the positives that we're talking about. And what about you, Alide? What's the future look like? Okay, we have keep fighting again to have talents irrespective from uh, what it was already said uh, going there, and we have to go back to get give back something. No, I think Roxana, it's the time to give back. So let let's give back what we had, and really let's try to make the next uh, future leaders coming in a less toxic environment. I would say. Yeah, I um, someone told me. Um, I was complaining because I complain a, a lot. I, I call them all out, right? And I complain. That's me. That's Roxana, and I'll always call it out. And and someone told me, oh, it's gonna get, oh, it's so much better for me now, and it will be so much better for your daughter in in a few years, and that just warmed my heart because there are many many young women out there, daughters who would never consider interventional cardiology 20 years ago, that might just do so now. And that is a bright future because because I do believe if you love something, you should not run away from it because of your gender. And uh, if you're really talented at it, you should just put your hat in the ring. More women should put their hat in the ring, stop feeling the imposter syndrome. And for me, the future would look like that women as one would change its name to as one. And you know that that is what I'm, what I wrote in the creed of the original Women as One documents that we would get to a point that we no longer have to say women as one, that, that we would all be all of us as one. And, and I think that sort of taking away the gender issues um, completely in, in our workplace is just something that I look so forward to in the future. Thank you for tuning in to this best of edition of Barks Heart Radio. If you haven't already, check out the latest Heart Sounds podcast, where TCTMD managing editor Shelley Wood recaps the editorial team's favorite stories for 2022. Rocks Heart Radio will be back in January 2023 for an all new season.